This is the Relic Radio Show, old-time radio entertainment still standing the test of time from RelicRadio.com. This week on the Relic Radio Show, our hour of radio drama begins with the Radio City Playhouse. We'll hear Portrait of Lenore from January 17, 1949. After that, it's the Zero Hour and Death of a Genius. That story aired July 16, 1974. The National Broadcasting Company presents Radio City Playhouse, Attraction 23. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the director of Radio City Playhouse, Harry W. Duncan. Thank you, Bob Warren. Friends, our previously announced plans for tonight's Playhouse presentation have been changed. Last week, an old friend of ours, Mr. Milton Geiger, one of radio's best-known writers, visited Radio City Playhouse and brought with him a script so unusual, so completely different to anything we've ever done before, that we immediately decided it should be our attraction for this week. The script is titled, Portrait of Lenore, and two of our very favorite people are here to play the leading part. Mr. Bernard Grant is well known to Radio City Playhouse listeners for his many wonderful performances on previous shows, Ground Floor Window and The Door, to name only two. Tonight, he combines his talents with those of our own Jan Minor to bring you Radio City Playhouse Attraction 23, Portrait of Lenore. By Milton Geiger. Maybe a while back you happened to see a motion picture called Laura. Remember Laura? Jean Tenney, Dana Andrews, Clifton Webb. Remember Laura? I went to see Laura because, well, because I didn't believe a man could fall in love with a woman just by looking at a portrait. You see, I'm a writer myself, and I did not think a situation like that rang true. That is, I didn't think so then, but now, well, I'm not so sure. About a week ago, a new painting arrived at the Oscar Dole Museum of Art. Oscar Dole is a friend of mine, so he invited me to come in and take a look. I arrived at the museum after it had closed, but Oscar let me in anyway. We went up to the second floor where the painting was hung. The museum was deathly quiet, and so were we. I couldn't say anything. I just stood there beside Oscar, looking at this magnificent work of art. Oscar was pleased at my reaction. You like it, don't you, Hillary? Oscar, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. Portrait of Lenore. Even the name has a has a feel to it. I've never seen anything like it. She's she's she's. Well, well, now she's, don't uh, tell me the writer is stuck for words. Oh, for that kind of beauty, there are no words. Where did you get it? From the artist. 
Charles Beaumont. He's loaned it to us. Is it valuable? Well, it would be if Charles Beaumont wanted to sell it. But he's refused every offer. No wonder. Oscar, do me a favor. What? Go back downstairs to your office. I, I, I'd, I'd like to sit here a while and look by myself. Do you mind? <laughs> of course I don't mind. I'm glad you like the thing so much. Well, when you're through, come along downstairs. We can have supper somewhere. Portrait of Lenore. I went in to look at the painting every day for four days. I'd spend the whole afternoon just looking at Lenore, looking and wondering and wishing that somehow she... Well, and I snapped out of it and got back to work. A writer makes money by keeping his nose stuck in a typewriter. The following Friday, I'd work straight through from ten in the morning until well after midnight. So when the telephone rang at two o'clock in the morning, waking me out of my well-earned sleep, I was an indignant fellow. Go away. All right. All right, all right, all right. Whoever you are, hang up and go away. Just will you? a moment, Mr. Look, Drake. can't you understand? You know what time it is. You are Hillary Drake, aren't you? Yes, you can call me in the morning. If we're to do business together, we have to understand each other before morning, Mr. Drake. <laughs> Who is this? You are Hillary Drake. You have one dollar. You're a friend of Oscar Dole? You have two dollars. Would you like to try for four? Would you like to try for a thousand? State your proposition, madam. Have you ever heard of a painting called Portrait of Lenore? As a matter of fact, I have. It was stolen from the museum early this evening. It was what? Early tonight it was stolen. Now, Oscar Dole will offer a handsome reward for the return of the painting. You know, Mr. Dole, and you know your way around. Will you represent me in my negotiations for the reward? Look, lady, I'm afraid I don't understand just what's going on here. I Mr. Was, Drake. I was... If you let me do the talking, I'll try to make it clear. The painting was stolen. The reward will be substantial. There'll be at least a thousand in it for you if you do as you're told. Are you interested? Yes. Yes, I'm interested. I'll be on the West Side Highway that looks down on Pier 52. When? Now, at once, will you meet me? At this hour? Will you meet me, Mr. Drake? Yes, yes, I'll meet you. Goodbye, Mr. Drake. Goodbye. I hung up on her and called Oscar Dole, and he admitted that the painting was gone. The reward was $5,000 and no questions asked, so I hung up before he could ask any questions. I dressed, drove to the West Side Highway overlooking the Hudson River dock. I turned off my lights and just waited there. I got out and stood beside the car in the darkness, watching the river, feeling the night all around me. As far as I could see, there was nobody for miles. Mr. Drake! Stop! Are you crazy? You scared me clean out of my skin. You scare easily. Sneaking up behind me like that. I'm sorry. Don't ever do that. My palpitating hardly. When you can steady your nerves, perhaps we can talk. Perhaps we can. I I, I don't know. 
And please don't worry about my nerves. Shall we get into your car? Shall we? No, Mr. Drake. After you. Yes, Mother. Excuse me. Uh, can I help you? I'm quite able to get into an automobile by myself, Mr. Can Drake. Can you uh, shut the door by yourself? I wish you would. There. Comfortable. What's the idea of the veil? I wear a veil, and I have a gun, of course. Most natural thing in the world. Who are you? That doesn't matter. Perhaps not, but I'd still like to know. Will you take that thing off your No, face? I haven't much time. I suppose you called Oscar Dole as soon as I hung up. I did. And? $5,000 reward. Flint. It's living. Collect the reward for me tomorrow and bring Wait it to... Wait a minute. Yes? Just when do I get the painting? After the reward is paid. My trouble is I go to too many movies. The whole thing's too corny. Veils, stolen paintings. Look, I don't like you and I don't trust you. How do I know you'll deliver? Because I promised it. Oh. Well, your word of honor may pass as terrific collateral with you, but I can't get $5,000 from the museum office. I think you can. You do. If Oscar Dole doesn't recover the painting very soon, you'll never again be entrusted with such valuable works of art. You have one minute to think about it. And then? Then I shall have to find a more realistic go-between, one perhaps who doesn't go to so many movies. You don't fool, do you? No. Cigarette? No, thanks. Mind if I have one? I do. You are. I forbid you to smoke. You? I forbid you to smoke. Yes, Mother, again. Your decision, Mr. Drake? All right. I'll try for the $5,000 with 1000 to me. Right. Right. I'll be under the east tower of the George Washington Bridge tomorrow night at 11 o'clock. Bring the money and you'll get the painting. Will you bring it with you? No, but I'll take you to where it is. Uh, sounds like an interesting evening. That's up to you. Don't I get a look at you at all? No, that isn't important. I suppose it isn't important either for me to know if you stole the painting. Tomorrow night, east tower, George Washington Bridge with the money. Is that clear, Mr. Drake? Oh, yes. Yes, it's all very clear. And now, would you mind getting out? I'm beginning to feel like having a cigarette. Mr. Drake, Mr. Drake. Good evening. I'm very glad, for your sake, that you came alone. If you want me to stay, you'd better put that gun away. Look. Can't we cut out the melodrama? Veiled women with guns are a bit out of my line. I can only be pushed around for so long. Did you get the money? Well, Oscar wanted some guarantee that he gets the painting, and I, uh... Did you get the uh, money? The fact that Oscar lost the painting one short week after it was loaned to him by Charles Beaumont is a terrific blow to the museum's prestige. Oscar feels that the only Did you one... get the money? Yes. Give it to me. Someday I'm going to give you an awful sock and a nose. Give me the money. Thank you. I'll count it later. Where's your car? Over there. We'll go for a little drive. Where? Where I tell you. Thank you, Mr. Drake. But you go ahead of me. We drove across Manhattan, then south to the Queensboro Bridge. My lady friend in the back seat. In the rear view mirror, I could see her. Sitting there, tense, done moving, holding that wicked-looking little gun in her gloved hand. 
turn left here, Mr. Drake. We uh, ended up somewhere in Long Island. We bumped over a rough dirt road to a darkened house overhanging the sea. She told me to stop. And when we got out, she made me walk in front of her, up dark, hollow-sounding steps. She gave me a key and uh, made me unlock the door. How about some light? You'll get used to the darkness. Is this your house? No. No, it's not my house. But it's a beautiful view. Beautiful. Ah, how can you tell? It's pitch dark. I... There's enough light for what we have to do. You've been here before. Look behind the bookcase. I can't see. I tell you. It's right behind you. There's a large art portfolio between the bookcase and the wall. This is what you want. Here we are. You know, if we could just turn on the lights, it would be so much easier. I rather like doing business by moonlight. Look, lady, whatever this is, it's beginning to make me sore. I'm all for a little fun, but let's not ride around with veils and guns and come to dark houses and refuse to turn on the lights. Now, let's just have if a If you look. don't keep perfectly still, Mr. Drake, and do as I tell you, I'll use my gun. I'm very good with it. All right. What now? Look in the portfolio. Well? Are you satisfied? Satisfied with what? The painting. What painting? What? Why? It's gone. You're telling me it's gone. It's gone. The painting's gone. Does it ever hear it all? <laughs> where yes, is yes. it? Where is it? I don't know. I, I must have the painting. I must. I must. But you were going to give it to me. I was only going to show it to you just to prove my good faith that I had the painting. You mean this was supposed to be a double No, 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 no. I, I was going to give you the painting, but not for a few days. I... Then, uh... You won't mind returning my $5,000. No. No, it's useless without the painting the money. Useless. Then, uh, let's have it. Yes, take it. Useless to me now. Useless. Go, go away. I, I can get back alone. There's a door at the side of the driveway. I knew it. Go, now please go. You have been in this house before. You know it very well. No. You're lying. How do you know there's a door to the driveway? Oh, uh, we came in that way. We came in the front way. Will you please get out of here and leave me alone? You brought the painting here yourself, didn't you? Yes. You've been in this house many times, haven't you? Well, what difference does it make? Could anybody have followed you here? Someone interested in the painting? I don't know. Excuse me. What are you going to do? I just thought I'd examine the lock on the door here. <laughs> you don't need to bother. And, uh, what do you mean by that? The person who followed me out here wouldn't need to break the lock. He'd have a key. Look, lady, I don't know who you are or what you're up to. But if I'm to be of any help to you, you'd better tell me the whole story. All I've gotten from you is a first prize runner-on. I come out here to this house and now you start Keep playing. your hands out of your pocket. I, I come out here to this house and Don't light like... that match. I said don't light that match. Oh, you burn my fingers. Oh, I want you. I mad. want you. You're mad. You're absolutely mad. Please go. Please go away now. Right now. That you haven't understood everything. But that can't be helped. You've done the best you can and so have I. Now, please go. Take your $5,000 and go. I'll bet you every cent of it. I know who you are. Can't you get out and leave me alone? I walked out of that dark beach house, leaving her alone. For some strange reason, I, I knew she was the woman in the picture. She 
with Lenore. Even though she tried to keep her identity a secret with that ridiculous veil, there was no mistaking the set of her head, the way, the way she moved. She was the portrait of Lenore. kind of enchantment. I wished with everything I owned that I'd made her take off that veil. If she was really the woman in the picture, I would have... Well, anyway, the next morning I was myself again. I went over to see Oscar Dole at the museum. There were a lot of things I wanted to know about the stolen portrait of Lenore. As a matter of fact, Hillary, we haven't got a photograph of the painting. But who is she, Oscar? You've been hedging around that question for 20 minutes. I want to know who Lenore is in real life. What was her name? Charles Beaumont is a friend of mine, Hillary, a good friend. It's not kind of me to break confidences that he... that he thinks I respect. But who is she? What's her name? She's... Charles Beaumont's wife. He painted his own wife? Yes. Where is she now? Nobody knows. What do you mean, nobody knows? Well, it's a sad story, Hillary. You see, two years ago, she was not well. Some sort of chest condition. Beaumont was terrified that it was TB. He insisted that she leave New York immediately and go to Arizona. He was unable to leave town himself at the time, so he asked his brother Robert to take Lenore. They flew down, and the plane caught fire and crashed. Everyone aboard was killed, except Lenore. The uh, brother, too? Yes. Every passenger except Lenore. What became of her? She just disappeared. What do you mean, disappeared? Charles Beaumont has never seen her since. Why not? I don't know. She simply vanished into thin air. Were they happy together? Very. Did she love him? As far as I know. Then why didn't she come back? I don't know, Hillary. It's as plain as the nose on your face. The woman just decided... No, 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 Hillary. I don't think you're right. You just don't know about women. Perhaps, but I uh, don't want to discuss that anymore. I, I wish I could get hold of Charles Beaumont. Well, you can. But I thought he was out of town, business in Chicago or something. I wired him about the theft of the painting. He flew back at once. Oh, where is he staying? At his apartment. Central Park South. You want me to phone him for you? No, 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 wait. Uh, how well do you know him, Oscar? Very well. We're very good friends, and I'm very fond of him. You, uh... Ever been a house guest of his? Yes, many times. Why? Has he got a house out on Long Island uh, near Babylon, a beach house? Yes, I've been there many times. I've got it. Yes, sir, I've got it. Got what? Got the answer to the theft of the portrait. I can get it for you by morning. Hillary, I think perhaps you'd better keep out of this. Oh, I don't mean to be unkind. I know you're trying to help me, but... When Charles Beaumont got back to New York yesterday, he... Well, he behaved very strangely. He was very excited. I think he knows where the painting is. I think I can get it back without paying any reward. Did he say so? No, not in so many words. But I think he'll get it back all right. Frankly, he seemed almost glad that it had been stolen. Oscar, do me a favor. Ask Charles Beaumont to your place for dinner tonight. Will you? Why? Well, please, don't ask me why. Just do it, will you? Well, Hillary, I please, don't Oscar, know. I... Please. Ask him for dinner tonight, will you? As a favor to me. All right, I'll ask him.
It took me a little time to pick the excellent lock on Charles Beaumont's apartment on Central Park South. However, I am pretty good with locks, and finally I got in. I looked in closets, I looked on the carpets, I, I, I looked everywhere, but nothing. Then I began on Mr. Beaumont's personal effects. That paid off a little better because in a worn passport case, I found a note written on pale blue notepaper in a woman's slight graceful hand. I read it through, and I knew before I got to the end how it would be signed. It was signed Lenore. Now I knew who she was. I finished the note, and suddenly the, the light flicked out. I stood there in Charles Beaumont's apartment, listening, listening. Who is it? Who's there? So you came too, Mr. Drake. I know what you came for. Do you? Did you find the painting? You are Mrs. Charles Beaumont. No. You, Eleanor. You're the woman in the picture, aren't you? No. Look, lady, I've had enough of you. After a while, I begin to want to see the people I'm dealing with. If you touch that light switch, I'll shoot. I'll give you some light so you can see what you're shooting I'm at. warning you! Holy cow. Shut out the electric light switch. You're pretty handy with small arms, aren't you? I want that painting. I haven't got it. You haven't? But I've got something else. Oh, what are you talking about? You wrote your husband a letter once, remember? I'm not going to Arizona with my health at all. I'm going away with Robert. No, no, give me that letter. I love him. I can't help it. Even though he's your brother, I have to admit Stop it. it. You fell in love with your husband's brother. You faked up this idea of going to Arizona for your health just so you and brother How Robert... Dare How dare you imply that I... Look, lady, let's not get off on our high and mighty horse, shall we? You were running off with your husband's brother. The brother was killed, and you couldn't very well go back to your husband because you'd left him a goodbye note. All about how much you loved Robert. We've been in love for years, Robert and I. I know this will hurt you, but I ask you to forgive me. Not true. I couldn't come back. I couldn't. Not after you wrote that letter. No, that isn't the reason. You couldn't keep your hands off your husband's brother. That's got a nasty taste, my fine fancy lady. It'll take more than a veil to cover that. Then I'll take my veil off. It's about time. I'll turn on the lamp. The light switch only works to set a fixture. I'll turn them all on, Mr. Drake. Thing in the world. 
You think I could come back to him looking like this? You think I wanted him pitying me? Shielding me? You think either of us could have stood it? He'd be just like you. I can tell that look. It means you're trying not to be sick. I knew Charles would be like that. I knew that he'd have that same look on his face. A look of frightened, nauseated horror. I made up that story about Robert. The letter was written after the plane wreck, not before I went away. I don't know what to say. Please forgive me. I'm terribly sorry if I've hurt you. I was very unkind, very clumsy. Doesn't matter. I wanted the painting for two reasons. The only picture of me in existence. Now, I wanted the reward, and I found a doctor who thinks he can fix my face. He needed something to work with. And I... I needed money to pay him. I, I was going to try to trick you out of the reward. I planned to have the painting photographed and... And then and, return it for the reward? <laughs> something like that. Oh, please, yes. don't cry anymore. Please don't. Better get out of here. Oh, what's that? It's him. No. Let me go. Let me go. I say let me go. No, no, no. You've got to see him. I can't. Please, God, let me go. I, I can't let him see me. I can't. Listen. Listen to me. You're wrong. He loves you. Any man looking at that portrait can see that your husband loves you. No, no. He painted in all the things he loved you for. Strength and goodness and gentleness. He saw beneath the surface. He saw all the things of character that no accident can ever change. The things your husband sees in you can't be concealed by scar or burned tissue. No. Nothing can hide them from you. Give me my veil, please. Please, I can't let him see me not yet, please. It's as though I were naked. Please. All right, all right. Here. Who's in there? The meaning of this. Who are you? What are you doing in my apartment? Uh, Mr. Beaumont, I'm I'm Hillary Drake. I'm a friend of Oscar Dole's. I I was trying to find your painting, and instead I I found your wife. No. I knew it. I knew it. I knew when the picture was stolen that you'd taken it. You're always crazy about that picture. And it's back at the museum now because I knew I guessed you might go to the beach house. Why did you bother coming back? No, no, you're wrong, Beaumont. Believe me, I know the whole story. The letter, the plane crash, your brother killed. But she didn't love your brother. She loves you. And you love her, don't you? She left me. She left me for my own brother. No, no, it isn't true. She stayed away to be kind to you. Show him your face, Lenore. Beaumont, she was burned in the plane crash. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It's a trick. No, Charles. It isn't a trick. It is. It is. You're trying to fool me again. The way you did the last time. Show him your face, Lenore. All right. <laughs> Lenore. My darling. You've been hurt. Somebody's hurt you. No, no, keep away from me. I'm, Lenore, I'm... come here. <laughs> Let me hold you. You. You don't care about my face. About the way I, I look, I look. You look so tired. <laughs> so sad. Oh, isn't it? It makes no difference. A thousand, a thousand, a thousand. <laughs> 
left them there, holding each other silently, holding each other and thanking God that after their strange and tortured journey, they had met once more. I knew what Charles Beaumont was planning in his first-rate soul. He was the artist, sketching the plan that the surgeon would execute of a new, a living portrait of Lenore. just heard Portrait of Lenore, as written by Milton Geiger and directed by Harry W. Junkin. Bernard Grant starred as Hilary Drake. Dan Miner was Lenore. Other players included Donald Buker and Bill Lipton. The music was composed and conducted by Dr. Roy Shields. Radio City Playhouse is supervised for the National Broadcasting Company by Richard P. McDonough. This is Harry Junkin again. Next week on Radio City Playhouse, the story of the theater, the story of a great actress and the things that happened to her, the story of a playwright and his wife, The Wisdom of Eve by Mary Orr, Attraction 24 on Radio City Playhouse. Good night, everybody. Speaking, this is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. I'm Rod Serling. You're listening to the Zero Hour. Rest your eyes. Exercise your imagination. Today, Glenn Hall Taylor's dramatic account of his shocking murder. Death of a genius. Starring Joe Cavanaugh. In a mutual broadcasting system presentation of The Zero Hour. Brought to you by the Ford Motor Company and Lazy Boy Recliners. This is the Zero Hour on Mutual Radio. <laughs> Poor old Rover. He gets worried every time we go off on an outing without him. But I just can't get my family and Rover into my pickup. So why don't you get a Ford Super Cab pickup and take him along? Super Cab? Sure. My better half and the three kids and the family dog all fit in very neatly. You mean my wife, teenage son, overgrown collie, and camping gear could all fit into a Super Cab? Yep, because Ford's new Super Cab is the only two-door pickup roomy enough for a full back seat. Holds a family of six. I didn't know that. Bet you didn't know you can get Super Cab with either a rear
rear bench seat or a facing jump seat option. Or you can order it without rear seats and get 44 cubic feet of storage space. Terrific. Room for all my camping gear. And for Rover. Whatever type of pickup you have in mind, Ford has great news and great values for you. It's truck clearance time at your Ford dealers now. Prices may never be this low again. Check the complete choice of Ford trucks and check their prices, too. Go get yourself a good buy today at your local Ford dealers. Since the early 1860s, the Treasury Department's Secret Service has been engaged in suppressing the counterfeiting of United States coins and currency. Dealing as they do with ruthless criminals, the Treasury men face many dangers. But one Secret Service agent, Barry Stanford, is suddenly confronted with a case of murder. As our story begins, he is completely unaware that in a sleazy downtown pool hall and saloon, two men are making plans. Plans which must inevitably invite his professional interference. Listen. My dear fellow, there's no reason for you to adopt this belligerent attitude. Now look, mister, for the last time, no drinks on the cup. I told you I would pay. How? That suit you're wearing is so old, the pockets couldn't hold money, even if you had some, which you haven't. Uh, excuse me. Uh, yes, what is it? Well, I, uh, I'm glad to buy this old guy a drink. Here, take it out of this. Oh, yes, sir. Oh, my deepest thanks to you, sir. You're quite welcome. To your health, sir. Thank you. Thank you again, young man. You don't remember me, do you? Now, let me recall. Now, you, I know you. You're William Sweets, huh? <laughs> I'm flattered you know my name, sir. I was around when you'd done a job for Big Tony. Oh, to be sure, of course. Your, your name is... Bradley. Owen Bradley. Of course, Owen. It's a pleasure to see you again, my boy. To your health. Now, you still work for Big Tony? Uh, no, I'm a freelance. I seen some of them $20 bills you made for Big Tony. Hey, they were swell. Well, I've been intending to get into operation again. I've been looking for a man who could work with me. Doing what? Outside work, you know, passing the bills. Say, you might be just the fellow. Well, that's real nice of you to say that. I mean it. Do you think you might be interested? Sure. Splendid. A barkeep. Yes, what is it? Another round of drinks here, please. Now, who's paying? I am. Bless you, my boy. Oh, this is going to be a delightful partnership. And I thought we'd better just check it out. Yeah, I'm calling on the phone of my car. I was driving along 2nd Avenue when I spotted this guy on the sidewalk. I thought Sweets was still in the pen, but this guy is a dead ringer for him. We sent Sweets up five years ago and he got a long sentence. Wait, hold on a second. He's going to an art supply store. I'll pull up and maybe get a better look at him when he comes out. As I said, Sweet's got a long sentence. I'll find out if he's wanted. Maybe he's on parole, in which case we've got nothing to pick him up on so far. Right. Okay, get back to me. Thanks. Excuse me, miss. The clerk near the front of the store told me you waited on that man who just left. Yes, sir. Well, I'm Agent Stanford, Secret Service. Here's my ID. I'd like to ask you a couple of questions, if you don't mind. My Secret Service? No, I don't mind. I'd like to know about some of the things he purchased. Well, he bought a boring. That's a cotton tool for engraving metal. Uh -huh. Some very fine pens and some special carbon paper used for transferring lines to metal. Any dyes or inks? 
Well, he bought a tube of green ink. Let's see, some very fine brushes. Oh, yeah, he did buy some dyes, but I don't remember just what colors. He bought several. That's about all I remember. Well, thank you. That's all I need to know for now. Not too many calls for the kind of stuff he bought. Must be a real professional artist. He is, miss. He is. He most certainly is. Is that you, Owen? Yeah, Peggy. Come in here, will you? What do you want, honey? I want to talk to you about that Mr. Sweets. What about Sweets? Look, you don't know because she ain't around this house all day. He's driving me crazy. For a week now, he's had me waiting on him, hand and foot, every five minutes, seems like. What for? What for? First, he's got to have a smock. He says no artist ever works without a smock. Then he's got to have that darn radio going half the time, claims he needs his mood music. The guy's a genius, honey. To me, he's just a bum. Where is he now? Where else? Locked up in the bedroom. I'm not even allowed in there after I get his bed made. Oh, and another thing. My back feels like a pretzel from sleeping on that living room sofa. (laughs) What's he working on? A plate for a $20 bill. Hey, I thought he was going to do a 10-spot. Oh, your genius changed his mind. Said Andrew Jackson's face has more character than George Washington's. Ah, Mrs. Bradley, I... uh, Oh, you're both here. Ah, that's excellent, because I have a small request to make of you. Yeah, yeah, well, how's it coming? Not as well as it should. No north light. North light? Oh, brother. An artist must have a north light to work in. You'd better look for another apartment. Now, just a minute. There's a couple of things we got to get straightened now, out. Now, look, honey. Shut up. Please, no bickering. Look, you've been here a week now, right? Approximately. And in that time, we fed you, bought you some decent clothes, and the supplies you said you needed. And I'm sick of it. Mm. I didn't like the deal in the first place, and I still don't. But I'm willing to put up with your your artsy, crafty temperament if it'll pay off for Owen and me. Oh, it'll pay off. When? When I've completed my work. After all, I'm a perfectionist and an artist and oh, I... Oh, save the corn. Quit stalling and tell us how long it'll be before that plate is finished. I should have it completed, I would say, in a day or so. Then button up your lip and your smock and get to work before money goes out of start. <laughs> Before you invest in a color TV, listen to what these experts say about solid state versus tube type sets. Terry Evans, TV chief engineer, San Diego. Color quality on a 100% solid state set will remain stable for much longer than it would on a tube set. John Silva, KTLA TV. I would buy a solid state television set over a tube set any time. In a nationwide survey, 95% of the TV chief engineers polled said they'd prefer to buy solid state for their next color TV. And it's no accident that more than twice as many of these experts own RCA as any other color TV. Lynn Rogers, WXIA-TV. If I was going to recommend a TV to a friend, I would recommend the RCA XL100. For color, for reliability, consider the new RCAs. Every one is an RCA XL100. 100% solid state. Don't settle for less. I'd like you to ask yourself a personal question. What do you feel when you meet a handicapped person? Pity? Admiration? Fear? Are you from the school that teaches a stiff upper lip, try harder, fight, don't let anything stand in your way, do it? Do what? Learn a skill? 
go to school, develop confidence, self-respect, then get turned down by a landlord who doesn't believe you'll pay the rent, by an employer who never hired the handicapped before and who isn't going to risk it now. If we don't believe in the handicapped, then how are they going to believe in themselves? Unless we recognize that they're human beings with feelings, with skills, with a sense of responsibility, then we're adding a handicap that they can't overcome. Let's stop handicapping the handicapped. This public service message brought to you on behalf of the Department of Health, Education, and Welfare and the Advertising Council. Secret Service Agent Stafford speaking. Oh, hello, Andy. I was just about to call you. No, no luck yet. Now, Sweets hasn't been seen by anyone we've questioned since the day I talked with the girl in the art supply store. What? Well, of course it's urgent. We find him, even if we only question him. And he sure raised a few questions with those supplies he bought, the way he's apparently gone underground. I don't suppose any phonies have showed up yet, have they? No, I didn't think so. Okay, I'll let you know. You know, Owen, I think Sweets is milking us. This may not be the Waldorf, but he ain't lived this high on the hog since he was sent up five years ago. He's running us. I'm going into that bedroom. But he's working, Peggy. And you're the one who told him to keep working and finish up fast. Look, I ain't been in there since yesterday. Even to make the bed. And I'm not going to spend another night on that sofa. Well, I bring glad tidings. My task is completed. I don't believe it. I invite you to behold this masterpiece. Hey, is that one of the new bills? Let me see. Don't touch it, please. The ink isn't dry. However, you may look at it. Now, you see? Oh, not bad. Yeah, not bad. My dear girl, it's perfection. Just gaze at Andrew Jackson's noble countenance. Uh? Observe that lofty brow, the sweep of the hair. Here's a genuine $20 note. Compare them. Oh. Hey, yours is even better. Naturally. Now compare the other side. Mm. Oh, it looks good, all right. <laughs> if anyone had ever told me I'd surpassed myself, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it. Mr. Sweets, I'm proud of you. And I, in turn, am most grateful to you for all you've done for me. I intend to repay you handsomely. What do you mean? No, I mean for the money you advanced, the help you gave me. Uh, uh maybe I slipped a cog, but you and Owen are partners, ain't you? I'm afraid there's some misunderstanding. We had no partnership agreement. Are you serious? Well, of course. Where did you get the idea we were partners? What do you mean? That night in the salon, you invited me to join you as a partner. Oh, good heavens. I was drinking that night, wasn't I? Yeah, but... Oh, you must never believe anything I say when I'm inebriated. Oh, you told me yourself the first day you came here that you and Owen were partners. That's the only reason I put up with you in your lousy disposition. (laughs) And if you think you're going to slip out of the deal... I told you that I'd repay you for your help. And now if you don't mind, I'm leaving. You ain't going no place. We're going to settle on a 50-50 partner. Over my dead body. Mr. Sweets... I think you just made yourself a deal. About an hour ago in Western Parkway, the body had been dumped from a car? Well, if the body with a hole in its head is William Sweet, that complicates things. Well, where's the body now? Okay, I'll meet you at the morgue in 10 or 15 minutes. It's right down at the end there, Mr. Stanford. Thanks. 
I'll take you to it. Of course you understand we don't have anything positive on this one. I understand. But the man was murdered, whoever he is, and we must investigate. Here we are, sir. Yeah, that's old man Sweets, all right. He's been dead about 12 hours. Mm. Oh, where's your phone? Just outside the door, sir. Thanks. Andy, Barry Stanford. The body was definitely that of William Sweets. Yeah, yeah, the bullet's over at ballistics now. No, no, there was nothing on the body. No identification, no nothing. Well, you may be wrong about that. Well, the phony bills may still show up. Maybe he turned out a batch and got killed after he completed his job. Well, you bet I'll stay on it. Meanwhile, you tell everybody to keep a sharp eye on paper money. Okay, we will do. How about this one, Peggy? Take a look at it. Hey, did you print that one? Yeah. Pretty good. I wouldn't have known it was a phony unless you told me. Well, I'm getting the knack of it. From now on, every bill I print will be usable. Oh. Hey, I wonder if they found the old guy yet. Oh, who cares? To me, he's still a bum. Listen, we got to figure out a plan for passing these things. Oh, Sweets filled me in on that operation. Oh? Well, how do we do it? He said, you got to keep them scattered. Don't repeat your operation in any one neighborhood. You said to pick up a place where there's a lot of business, somewhere where people make change real quick, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like a movie theater. Hey, that made it be a bad idea. The cashier in the box office is always busy and theaters are scattered all over town. Oh, that, that sounds practical. And here's another, hot off the press. Came out good, huh? Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> you're getting good at it. <laughs> I'll knock off another couple of hundred of these and we'll start Operation Paper Hanging. <laughs> Hi, this is Jim Backus with a special announcement about an exciting Lazy Boy chair sale taking place at your Lazy Boy dealers now. Lazy Boy reclining chairs of your choice are available at unheard of savings for a limited time only. Treat yourself and your family to a lifetime of comfort and beauty. Once you do, you'll wonder how you ever relax without one. Get America's comfort favorite, a Lazy Boy chair now. See your Lazy Boy dealer today. <laughs> Run in there. He'll be glad to see you. Yes, he will. Hi, I'm Jim Backus with news about an exciting sale taking place at your Lazy Boy dealers today. You may now put a famous Lazy Boy reclining chair into your living room at unbelievable savings. The ultimate in beauty and comfort can be yours in the style of your choice to match your favorite decor. Don't just sit, relax, and recline sumptuously in a Lazy Boy. Your choice of quality colors and fabrics. See your Lazy Boy dealer today. <laughs> Do that. <laughs> Hurry up. He's waiting. Yes, he is. Fall in love with a bottle of ketchup. Real love is eating cornflakes. The taste of love is ginger ale. Well, do you think that ginger ale tastes like love? No. Ginger ale doesn't taste like love. Well, what about ketchup? Uh-uh. I know what. I'll bet cornflakes taste like love, huh? Not cornflakes either. By the way... What is love? Love is love and kiss. Oh. And do you know anything that tastes like love? Uh-huh. People could taste like love. People could? I know people that taste like love. You do? Who? My my mommy, my daddy, my sister, and my brother, and my grandpa. We use things. Love is for people. 
in my city. From the Franciscans, with love. Sure, Andy, I'll take care of it. And incidentally, I've requested a policewoman to work with me. Yeah, the local boys are interested in the homicide aspect of this case and are going all out to cooperate. Yeah, yeah, she's on her way over here now. You bet. Thanks, I'll see you. Special Agent Stanford? Yes, you must be Officer Damietta. Yes, sir. Alice Damietta. Oh, please be seated in that chair by my desk. I'll brief you on the operation. Thank you. You know about the homicide? Yes, that counterfeiting suspect, Sweets, was found shot through the head. Apparently been dumped out of a car. Right, and we've been theorizing he might have been killed after completing a counterfeiting job for someone. Now it looks as though that's exactly what did happen. New development? Yeah. Now, during the past few days, Treasury's been getting a steady flow of fake 20s, about 10 a day. I've got some here in the drawer. Yeah, this is one. And here's a genuine bill to compare it with. Study them both carefully, because you're going to have to make snap judgments as to whether these bills you're handed are good or bad. Hmm, Amazing. Uh, what are these numbers written along the margin? On each bill we've picked up, we've made a notation of the date it was reported. And you're certain this is the work of the dead man? Ninety-nine percent certain. Our experts say it almost has to be. How can they tell? Our people are able to recognize the work of a Swedes or others in the Reichert the same way an art museum curator can recognize the work of a, well, a Van Dyke or a Picasso. Fortunately for me, having to qualify as an expert overnight, I have to recognize only Sweet's work, right? Right. Okay, Mr. Stanford. What's my assignment? Well, first of all, you work playing clothes. I'm afraid that natty uniform would be a little flamboyant for a movie theater cashier. By the way, I uh, hope you're not too slow at making change. No, fortunately, I got some practice. Two Christmas rushes in a row when I was in high school. I manned the cash register in our neighborhood Woolworth store. Good. There'll be a microphone concealed in the box office, so you can contact me at any time. I'll be standing in the lobby as though waiting for someone. And I'll be listening with a hearing aid. Detective Benson from your headquarters, dressed in a tuxedo, will be taking tickets at the door. The moment anyone passes you a fake 20 and heads for the lobby, you let me know. Right. Do you think you can have the details of that fake 20 memorized in time to report for work early tonight at the Four Star Theater on Broadway? I'm sure I can. Well, then, Officer Damietta, you and I have a date at the movies. How many, please? Uh, two. Thank you. Thank you. The three, please. Thank you. And here's change for a 20. Two, please. Thank you, sir. Two, please. Thank you. Uh, that's a 20, miss. Uh, I, I know, sir. I have to separate these bills. There you are. One makes five, five is ten, and ten makes 20. Good. Okay, Peg, let's go in. This is it, Mr. Stanford. The man's in a tan sport coat and plaid slacks. Four and five movies a day. Yeah, but I'm getting awful tired of popcorn. Oh, this ought to be a good one tonight. Ooh, that Robert Redford. Tickets, please. How about our stubs? Why the delay? Agent Stanford, Secret Service, step over here in the lobby, what? please. And no tricks. The gentleman with your ticket is Detective Benson. He has a gun and so far. I don't understand. Hey, what's the meaning of this? Who are you? Why are you frisking us? This, for one thing, your gun. Concealed weapon will be one charge. Homicide may be another. The third is Agent Stanford's department. Hey, what charge is that? We ain't done nothing. You just tried to pass a counterfeit $20 bill. I don't know nothing about a phony 20. I got, I got that bill at the bank only this morning. You better keep quiet until you've been informed of your rights, Mr. 
Well, I may not know your names yet, but we know the name of the man from whom you obtained that 20. Your friend Sweets might just as well have signed his name to it. I see you got them. Yes, Officer Damietta, that 20 you recognize. Officer! Well, I'll be. Some dames will do anything for a buck. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to your local Ford dealer's Late Late Show and our feature presentation entitled, It's Clearance Time. An all-star cast has been assembled for this year's show. You'll see Ford LTD in its lead role as the well-built, strong, quiet type. The dashing style of Ford Torino, cast as the solid midsize. And though the parts are small, the performances are beautifully economical by the compact Maverick and back-to-basics Pinto. To the sporty Mustang too, critics at Motor Trend gave Car of the Year rave reviews. And in a special guest appearance, the magnificent Thunderbird gives an elegant show, performing at a surprisingly reasonable end-of-season price. There'll be continuous award-winning performances from the entire Ford lineup all through the summer of 74. So don't miss the action. See your local Ford dealer's late, late clearance show today. Remember... The price of admission may never be this low again. I'm Rod Serling. Close your eyes. Exercise your imagination. And join us again on our next presentation of The Zero Hour. Death of a Genius is an original radio drama adopted by Glenn Hall Taylor. Joe Campanella was heard as Barry Sanford. Featured in the cast were Johnny Hamer, Julie Bennett, Dawes Butler, Peggy Walton, and Peter Leeds. Zero Hour, created by J.M. Colos, directed by Don Hills, is produced in Hollywood for the Mutual Broadcasting System by Radio Productions Incorporated. Music composed and conducted by Stanley D. Hoffman, Rochelle Sherman Associate Producer. This has been the presentation of the Mutual Broadcasting System. That's the Relic Radio Show for this week. There's more from Radio City Playhouse, The Zero Hour, past episodes of this podcast, all the others, and our shoutcast stream at relicradio.com. While you're there, donate to Relic Radio and help keep this and all of the shows coming. Visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. I'll be back tomorrow with Case Closed next Tuesday with another hour of the Relic Radio Show.